Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number four of the Valor Adventures podcast. Good to be with you today. I'm your host, Brandon Neal, and across the table from me is my mighty co-host, Andrew Fletcher. And he is ready to roll today. He is pumped up, amped up. Always. Ready to go. He's always ready. Always ready. Well, we got a good one for you today. We try to make them good every time. Well, I think they're, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm biased, right? Who wouldn't want to listen to us? (laughs) Uh, Exciting times. The uh, Canadian border is opening up August 9th, according to some sources we saw yesterday, for vaccinated people. I guess my question is, is how do they verify if you're really vaccinated? Do they just look at a card that somebody wrote on there that said you're vaccinated? Is there some type? I don't know. Like, how does that? I'll I'll sign your card if you sign mine. (laughs) I just wonder what that's all about. I mean, I know I went to Alaska last year, and you had to have a negative COVID test. And so I went and did that. Had my negative test. But to be honest, when I got there, I could have just walked right to baggage claim. No one would ever stop me. I mean, I did go through the line and had them look at my paper. But I can went and got my bags and left came back and i just i just so many sheep man what people are just sheep and you know i was being a sheep on that one too i guess but yeah you know frustrating anyway i guess we shouldn't get too off topic (laughs) today but it's kind of not off topic because we have a lot of really good opportunities in canada right now because uh some people that were going to go this year already rescheduled for next year and so that's left a few openings for this year and if you can get to Canada this year, I mean, it, it's probably going to be a very epic hunting experience. There's, there's going to be game everywhere, large animals. I mean, it's been a year off of hunting pressure, right? I mean, if you're into bear hunting, big bears, I mean, there's the moose, the elk, the, the whitetail, whatever, right? Mountain goats, sheep, man. It's the mecca. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be crazy. So... Get a hold of us and uh, let us show you what we got because um, there's also some very affordable options for Canada and uh, beautiful places to hunt. You know, British Columbia is unbelievable. I mean, Alberta is great too. British Columbia just has some incredible country. I, I personally have not been there, um, but Brian and Brad have our partners uh, several times. And uh, in fact, if you listen to the Rolling Bones podcast, they were talking about. I think Brian was talking about how he was seeing sheep elk, moose, and bear all at the same time on top of a, just on top of a, you know, even classing, just animals everywhere. So pretty cool. You'd feel like you were in Africa if it was African animals, right? But oh, animals that I actually want to shoot. Yeah, right. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. Well, today we wanted to talk about uh, gear, uh, clothing, your footwear, and then probably get into some optic stuff as well if we have some time. I mean, some of the stuff we can just talk about exclusively just on one episode, but we're trying to do some crash courses here to catch everybody up and then we can get more detailed as we as we go, right? But um, Andrew, where do we start today with uh, gear and clothing? What do you what do you want to talk about first? So many different ways we could go here. I think that a layering system is kind of kind of key what what i think clothing does for most people is it allows you to be comfortable in miserable situations it's like if you look at everybody that has a horrible time hunting they usually just don't have the right gear to make themselves comfortable in 
those kinds of situations. So like, yeah. if you have the right kind of gear, you should be prepared for pretty much every situation you're gonna run into, not be hating life at least. You yeah. might not have fun, but you won't hate it. <laughs> right. I agree, you know, I mean, when you're out and uh, let's say it's really cold and you didn't bring enough clothes and you're cold, it can take a great opportunity of having a good experience and make it super miserable. We've all been there, you know, we, we all know how that can be. And, you know, I've made that mistake with my kids before, you know, I'll take my kids out and, and um, we're underdressed and so they end up not liking it and hating hunting and I'm like, oh no, I blew it. You yeah, know, just because I took them out and, and we were not prepared. So, yeah, better to have it, not need it, than need it, not have it. You hear that a lot? And uh, that really is true. I, I, you know, I, I do think that a lot of times when, you know, I, I know I've made the mistake where I've, I don't know if you can overpack, but I think I've overpacked before, you know, brought a lot of stuff I didn't need, but what if I needed it too, you know? So you, you kind of have to find that balance and experience in the hills will kind of help you with that, you know, especially if you hunt a certain time of year every year and you're kind of hunting the same, you know, species and you kind of get a good idea of what you're going to need and not need, right? Um, it's like, you know, first time I went to Alaska, I packed, um, I packed so heavy. I just packed a lot of stuff I just didn't need or wasn't going to need because I didn't know any better. So I thought I just needed all this extra stuff that I didn't. So the last couple times I've gone up, I've packed really perfectly. You know, I've had everything I needed, but my bag didn't weigh 80 pounds and, you know, my pack wasn't ridiculously heavy and just, I just learned, you know. So you, you learn that way. But yeah, no, I think um, you got to take care of your body. And um, so, yeah, I think a layering system is key. I, I guess it depends on, you know, what, what season you're hunting and, and how warm it is. But if you're hunting in the desert, it can be super cold in the morning. And you might have to have a few layers on. And then by, I mean, where, where we live, I know several times we'll be out deer hunting or I'll, I like to hunt coyotes. And you'll have your puffies on and, uh, you know, your, your, your bibs on in the morning. And by 9 o'clock, you're taking everything off, you know. The temperature is that extreme. Yeah. So, um, you know, better to have a lot of layers than to have one big heavy thing. And, you know, I guess if you're hunting whitetail or something in, in the super cold Midwest and it's never going to warm up, then those type of big puffy, you know, bodysuits can be good, but uh, for most hunting that I do, you know, spot and stock, you gotta have that, like that layering system. Yeah, it's funny because people don't think about, like if you really think about any time you're gonna do anything physical, like physically demanding, it's like if you were to go play basketball in blue jeans, you're gonna last five minutes and be miserable. So it's like, why does that change if you're gonna go hike 20 miles hunting? It's like you can be so much more effective and so much more comfortable, which will allow you to hunt so much longer and more, more be more involved with it, just by having the right, the right setup. Yeah, right. So I think a base layer, a good base layer, a lot of times is merino wool because a couple things. One is it stays warm. It also um, doesn't get stinky. It's pretty amazing stuff that way. Um, so I think that's why it's really good for a base layer usually. I, I don't personally like to wear long johns unless it's super cold. I just don't like them, but I will if it's, if it's cold enough. But I'll still wear a merino wool um, underwear just to keep, you know, keep uh, from, you know, even if it's warmer, just 
it's, it gives me an extra layer of cushion. And uh, anyway, I, I, that, that's what I do. So if you'd eat a donut every once in a while, you wouldn't eat the cushion, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so I, I'll do that for a base layer. And then I'll usually wear a t-shirt. I, I, I like to have a t-shirt on because I'll, you know, it's nice to get down a t-shirt if you need to or whatever. And then I'll have a, maybe a long sleeve t-shirt or a little bit heavier over that long sleeve hoodie. Like I like the, the lighter hoodies um, as, a, as a layer. Uh, and then, you know, maybe a little heavier um, long sleeve jacket type and then a sh outer shell. And then I'll have my puffy. So I've got a puffy that I can put, um, I can just, I can, like our King's puffies are awesome. They, they what do you call it? Press down to a really small yeah, ball, right? Compact. compact them, yep, and they're super light. And then I can put that on underneath my outer layer and warm up very quickly if it gets really cold. Or if I'm sitting on a ridge glassing, I can put it on over the top and be glassing. We do that in Alaska all the time, right? You hike to the top and you're sweating, start glassing, and it gets pretty chilly. You know, so grab your puffy, just put it on, and you can just keep glassing. Yeah, I love puffies. They're they're incredible. Um, and, and your outer layer, I mean your outer shell. I, I think I, uh, one good thing that I'll do a lot of the time is instead of just having like a, um, there's a lot of good outer shell jackets. You know, I can't remember what the King's one's called, but it's the X Cage. Lone Peak. Lone Peak. Yeah, that's a great outer shell. But honestly, I'll I'll just use my reindeer a lot for an outer shell. And uh, King's is coming out with some really cool rain gear. Uh, as soon as it comes out, it's going to be the XK, XK7 series. Uh, I can't wait to get my hands on some of that. But up until now, I've been up until you know even now, I've, I've been using um, actually Sitka for my rain gear. Uh, I've got the I think maybe the Cloudburst jacket. It's Gore-Tex and uh, just the solid color. I'm not into the camo stuff, you know. If I'm on coyotes, I'll hunt cam I'll wear camo, but otherwise, I like to wear the solid color so I can wear them other places too and not look like I'm always hunting you know so I've been using that a lot I love it I've used it in, in Alaska I've used it uh, in real rainy weather snowy weather breaks the wind really well and actually the pants I've been using I've used uh, some first light rain pants that I like that are good and then I've also got some stone glacier rain pants that have been pretty good too and they're, they, they're, they're, they stay high in your crotch. You can hike in them, and, and, and not, they're not too bad. I don't know if there's any great rain pants for hiking in, but both, both the First Light and, and the Stone Glacier are pretty good, and, and uh, these Kings XK7 are going to be really good, I think, on that part, too. That's one of the things they really, I know, have been focusing on. So we will have those uh, here shortly, but um, that's what I use uh, for my body for the most part. Yep. Gloves, I'll wear a light light pair of gloves if I wear gloves. Rarely do I wear a heavy pair of gloves. I mean, if it's, you know, we are going to go to Tajikistan in February, so I will have a heavy pair of gloves there. But I really, I'll have a beanie. Um, I think that's the point of a beanie. And then, you know, I do like to have, um, I don't even know what they're called, but they, you know, I get a type of a net gaiter of some sort. Makes all the difference in the world. Net gaiters are awesome. A rainbow scarf. Well, I don't know about <laughs> that might be your deal. But. <laughs> yeah, I do pretty much the same thing you do. I, I don't usually wear a t-shirt. I usually do like a long sleeve lightweight shirt just because I get sunburned about 30 seconds outside. So I usually do that. I have like a lightweight hoodie, a little bit heavier hoodie, and then I've got 
the XKG, I've got their transition jacket, which is like a little puffy just for like insulation, lone peak, shell, and then I've got their big puffy too. Nice. Pretty much exact same thing. Nice. Uh, I do have a, for hotter weather, like, like you're saying about getting sunburned, I've got an Eberly stock, super lightweight, long sleeve hoodie. I don't, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's actually SPF rated. But I love that thing. You know, we're going to do our shooting schools in August and it's 90 to 100 degrees. I'll wear that all day and uh, you get a little sweat going on. It's kind of like a little air conditioning and keeps the sun off of you. So you can check that out if, um, if you're looking for something to keep you protected from the from the sun. If you white like mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get, in fact, on my nose right now, I've got some precancerous stuff that I've got been putting cream on to get rid of it. It's looking really nasty right now. But uh, anyway. Okay, well that's for your body. And then I think another very important part of your gear is your boot system, right? Um, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I mean, two things we're going to hunt faster than anything else, and that is bad feet or bad butt crack. You know, both those things can really ruin your experience. So when it comes to your boot system, there's a lot of different ways you can go here. And really, everybody's got their preferences on things. Um, what do you like when it comes to a pair of boots? A bunch of different types of boots. So like I, I like lightweight for like summer scouting. So I, I wear a different pair of boots for like summer scouting and then my Utah hunts that are early. And then I've got two pairs of winter boots, and then I've got a pair of muck boots too that I really like. So I use Irish setters for my, kind of like my summer, just super lightweight, really comfortable. I've had some Under Armour boots too that are super lightweight. I like those, super comfortable. And then for my late season shoot boots right now, I actually have Mindles. Okay. I like those a lot. Aren't they called Mindles? I don't know. They don't call them Mindles, but they are good boots. They are sweet. I've had Mindles before, and I do like those. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just preference. I personally, when I'm out hunting, I, I do not like to wear, um, I guess, the Under Armour type stuff for me. I always wear, for the most part, I wear Canatrex all the time. And they can be hot. They can definitely be hot because they're full leather, but they're also, they also protect your feet. So if you're walking in the thorns or cactus, they don't punch through and get you, right? Yeah. And that's the only challenge I've had with trying other types of boots that are more... Uh, sneaker type boots they're nice because they're like sneakers and they breathe really good and if it's really hot they're nice that way but I always seem to get stickers and stuff through them and yeah makes it miserable for me so I'd rather have the protection be a little bit hotter and uh, so I, I've, I've, worked, I've worn Canatrex the last I don't know a long time 10-12 years and uh, even up in Alaska and everything else that's what I that's what I wore everywhere you know up, up on the steam mountains I, I have the uh, the mountain guides that are a little bit, I got the higher ones. And then I just got a pair of desert guides for this year I'm gonna try out. And they're lower, they're lower, they don't have a membrane in them, so they're not waterproof and uh, should be a little, shouldn't be as, as hot, you know. And it should still be pretty much waterproof, I think, but they don't have that membrane in them. Yep. And, yeah. I think with boots, understanding like, because like with if you have a good layering system like you can take a good layering system pretty much anywhere and it's going to work if it's set up right it's like boots you really want to pay attention like what you're hunting when you're hunting it what the terrain is all that kind of stuff just because you kind of tailor that to your hunt right right for sure and i think yeah i think something else make sure your boots aren't too tight make sure you got a good toe box in there there's plenty of room in there your feet are going to swell if you're hiking a lot so keep that in mind and then as far as socks go 
what I will do typically is I, I like to wear a thin pair of their wool and their ankle socks as my base, like, uh, what are they called? I'll look them up here. Um, and then over the top of that, I'll wear, you know, I'll wear like a wool sock. Um, but the, yeah, I'll wear a lightweight, um, man, I'm, I'm gonna look them up here my, um, on my computer, see if I can find them. What pants do you wear? So I love the Smartwool, Smartwool socks. Okay, so Smartwool, uh, like the ankle socks is a good base layer, and then, you know, you can wear your long socks over the top of that. So, I'll, you know, I've, I've got, uh, I mean, I've got some, I've got all kinds of those. I've got everything from First Light to Stone Glacier to Kuyu to, yeah. You bring extra pairs? Yeah, in fact, that's a good question. Um, sometimes I'll even have an extra pair in my pack if I think it's going to, you know, if I think I might want to change socks. Uh, for sure, if I'm backpacking in, definitely have an extra pair or two of socks because that'll change your life to change your socks, right? It's almost as good a feeling to change your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> so I do that. No, the pant, pants I wear are the preacher pant, King's preacher pant. I wear those all season. I mean, I've had basically two pair the last three seasons that I've worn and they last. I mean, they're, they're, they're rugged, they're tough. They got the knee pads in them if you want the knee. I actually take the knee pads out. Um, just because I don't like to hike with them, but they're still padding because there's a little extra layer of material there. They got the vents on the side, so even if it's warm or hot, I still that's what I hunt in, man. Yep, I've got the I've got preacher pants is usually what I use. I, I ran their ridge pants forever, and they're sweet. It seriously feels like you're hiking in pajama bottoms. Like they're super super comfortable, really flexible. But like if you're going through any sort of thorns, anything like that, they're not very yeah not very thick don't yeah. provide a lot of protection there you get tore up yeah yeah i actually like uh the company cool k-u-h-l i like a lot of their stuff and uh, i've hunted in their pants before you know um and uh they have some good lightweight hiking pants they're stretchy that you can move really well in fact i wear those all the, around town that's what i wear all 90% of the time in cool pants or shorts that's what i got on right now so yeah, that's what I that's what I wear there. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, what else do we have for gear? Is that is, anything else you want to talk about on that? Mountain money. Never have. Always, always have toilet paper. I mean, I guess that's gear. Mountain money. Yeah. Just as important as that, or more. If you don't have wipes. mountain money, then the extra pair of socks disappear. <laughs> yeah, just just bring wipes for sure. Wipes. Even more, I, I like both. I have both. I have wipes and toilet paper in a baggie. But if I had to choose one, wipes. So, yes. I mean, don't you think? I mean, when I started using wipes out in the field, I was like, what was I doing all those years prior to this? <laughs> like, why didn't I get baby wipes? I mean, they weren't disposable, I guess, back in the day. But, man, that just, you can you can shower with them if you need to. You know, you can wipe down them. Yeah. I mean, you really can. So you could go a week without showering and that and still not smell like a... Like dirty dead animal <laughs> yeah all right well good so there's some ideas on uh some clothing and gear I, for hopefully that uh that helps you all out a little bit i i um yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else we should we should hit on on that that would be handy for for you all um let's get into some optic stuff 
Uh, I think optics are such a crucial part of, especially a Western hunter's success. Uh, it makes all the difference in the world. Um, talking to some of you consider the best hunters out there. Uh, most of them will admit to you that it's not so much of the best hunters, they just spend the most time behind good glass. I've talked to some people that are well known for killing a lot of big mule deer, guiding a lot of guys in big mule deer and elk and sheep, and they'll say it all the time, I'm not, I'm not really a better hunter than anybody else. I just spend some time out there, I get up on the high peaks, and I have good glass, and I glass, and I glass, and I glass. So, optics are key, right? Absolutely. Um, so a couple, couple specifics on that, you know, uh, binos, you know, the kind of binos you should get. And they make some pretty good binos now for, you know, four or five hundred bucks. They really do. I mean, yeah. you can get a decent pair until you look through a $2,000 pair of binos, right? So you go, I can get by with these, you know, uh, these binos here that are, you know, they cost me 600 bucks, 800 bucks, whatever. And then you might get a pair of EL Suaros or, or Leicas or some Zeiss and you look through those and you go, oh, okay. Another level. There's a difference here, right? So I, I personally I personally like the range finding binoculars. I know some guys like to keep those separate. Now they got those cigarette range finders that are, you know, they have all the ballistic data in them, but so do a lot of these newer um, range finding binos. So Leica's got a good pair of them. Uh, they've got the BD, uh, whatever they're called, they, but they're, they, um, they're really good. They, 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 you, they Bluetooth to your phone now. They used to have a little card. And then I, I, I currently am using the Zeiss Victories uh, that are same thing, Bluetooth to my phone. It's got all my ballistical data in there. Ballistical? Ballistic. Is ballistical a word? It is now, I guess. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I can, I can uh, download all that. I got, I got you know five or six different rifle profiles in there and just switch that rifle profile and it's dialed, right? It has a weather station in it and it uh, just makes it really handy, but they're pricey. They're pricey. How heavy are they? They're, not, they're not bad. Really? Um, I mean, I've got I've had a pair of Suaro EL ranges too, which I really like. Those I actually still have those, and they don't have the ballistic data. They're not the newest ones. The newest ones have the ballistic data, but uh, similar. They're similar. They're not. They're not crazy. They're not going to be like these Vortex you're showing me here. What are those? Two hundred bucks? Yeah, that's the first like nice pair of binos that I bought by my standards. Yeah, I I got those. I've got three different pairs. So I've got the new loopholds. I don't even know which ones they are. But I've got two pairs of these little Vortex Diamondbacks. So I get the 10 by 42s, they're like tiny, tiny. So I will never skip on a spotting scope, but the binos, I like these just for backcountry stuff, just because they're so little, so light. So all I do with that is like, I'm gonna find a deer, then I'm gonna get the nice spotting scope out. Yeah, that's so like good. If, if you're on a budget, the little Vortex Diamondbacks. Good. Pretty money. Good. Two, 230 bucks. Yeah, there's, um, I was just looking here too, just to see some Leupold stuff. Leupold's BX4 Pros, they're $499, and uh, they're, they're, they're good ones. They're 10 by 42. You can move up to the Santiums. That's they're, the ones I just got. Okay, so they're more like 1000 But you get your member pricing off of that, and you get, you know, if you, um, you know, our advisors get uh, paid to, for those too. So, uh, and then we have the BX Alpines that are only 289 so they're probably very similar to those Vortex. Yeah and lifetime warranty and all that. Uh, so those, all those that are on, if you go to our website, valoradventures.com or rollingbones.com, 
you can look at those up, get, get on your dashboard and... How many times have you lose, used the loophole warranty? Never. Really? I'm big on warranties. I'm not very easy on things. But I've had to use the Vortex warranty a bunch. Well, so we could, we, could, we could ask ourselves, okay? So if you've had to use it a bunch, is it the product? Is it the person? Is it a little bit of both? Probably a bit of both. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I've never had... Oh, actually, no. I'll take it back. I had one Leupold Mark V scope. I love the Mark V scope. I had one of them. I went to twist off the sunshade, and the whole end of it twisted with it for some reason. I did have to send one of those back. But they've got it back to me within, like, two weeks. So right. pretty, pretty quick nice. turn. Everyone that I've had to send back from Vortex, other than like their, their, I've had a couple of their Viper rifle scopes. So I had their HST, I had two of their HSTs. I had to send both of those back just because it kind of got foggy after the first year. So those ones made me mad, but all the other ones, like I've had to send back a spotting scope that I watched my brother tumble off of a mountain with in his backpack. So that's understandable, but I have noticed with their Viper, like their HSTs especially, they get foggy after about a year that I've had to send in. Okay, all right, good to know. So yeah, binos, I mean, uh, the more you spend, the more clear they're going to be. They're definitely, um, you know, just depends what you're looking for. But I, like I said, it's nice. The, the good thing about the rangefinder ones is then you don't have to carry a rangefinder in addition to your binos. Yeah. Right? So, uh, again, it's just preference there. Uh, but yeah, go, go check them out. And here's the thing, too. If you're looking in the store and you're trying to decide which pair you should get, you can't really tell in the store which one's better or not. you got to get outside. And, you gotta, and, and God, I mean, even you almost have to get outside in a, in a low-light situation yeah. sometimes to see the difference. And especially when you get into spotting scopes, which we can talk about here for a second, too. Um, like the, the Leupold uh, Santium spotting scope, the, the SX-5 and also the actually had the, maybe it was the SX, the equivalent of that. That's the newer one now, the SX-5. Anyway, great scope. I had it right next to my dad. So I, I had, I was using that one. My dad had a, um, a Swarovski HD, it was an 80 millimeter. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but side by side. And we used the, the phone cam and also our, our eyes. And you really, and it was the middle of the day. We were looking at some desert sheep. And you really, they really were very similar. It was like if you didn't know which one was which, you wouldn't have been able to tell which one was better. Like if nobody told you, this is the Swarrow, this is the Santium, but one was half the cost, right? So um, Leupold does make some really clear spotting scopes for inexpensive, you know. Yeah. I like Leupold stuff too. Like I've had multiple times, like really cold mornings with, Vortex stuff where it'll fog up, like looking through binos, fogs up. So you got to bring them down for a minute and then bring them back, and they'll just fog up almost instant. I've never had any problems with Loophole, Night Force, like any of the any of the higher end stuff. It's like if all you're going to do is hunt once a year, like you probably don't need to go dump a ton of money. But if you're serious about it, buy once, cry once, right? Yeah, right. No, for sure. You know, when it comes to fogging stuff up too. I mean, just anybody who wants some tips on that. I mean, I've I've experienced that too. You know, you you get out and your scope's foggy. So, you know, what you can do to kind of minimize that stuff. Um, you can use scope covers. I hate scope covers for the most part. Usually you can use them, but if you're going to use them, keep them closed until you are ready to shoot. If you're in and out of the truck, just keep them closed. Don't open them because as soon as you open them, it's going to let that air in and they're going to fog up on you. So I, I personally do not use scope covers unless it's, in fact, even when I'm training, I, I'll, I'll use a neop, the neoprene 
cover over the top. Actually, we use, um, I use that, but if I'm just hiking around, we use, uh, oh my gosh, we use these all the time and I'm going blank on the name of them. Um, oh, what are they? they're rubber. They're uh, the scope, scope bands. Scope bands, scope bands, yes. And they're pretty cool. I mean, they, they are watertight. Keep... Scope condoms. Yeah, they really are. Yep, and you, you can take them off and they stay attached so you don't lose them. And so if it's you know really dusty or something, I'll, I'll pop that, pop one of those on. But more often than not, if I'm hiking around or whatever, I just leave my scope bare because I, I like to just get up on stuff and look and, and, and it never fogs up, you know? I mean, if it's really snowy or really bad, then that's when you cover it so it doesn't get, because it would get fogged up in those yeah. situations. But if it's clear, I, I don't cover them. But yeah. Do you use any sort of rifle cover? Not usually. I usually don't. I have, I have, um, I do have a, uh, what are the names of those too? I keep forgetting all these companies' names, but uh, I do have a rifle cover. Rarely have I ever used really? it. I always get so paranoid with when it's raining or anything, because if you just have a normal, normal muzzle, so you just electrical tape over it, yes. not a big deal, but if you got a suppressor or you've got muzzle brake especially where it's ported and everything, I've got a Caldwell makes it. It just stretches over your whole rifle, but like the first five or six inches of the tip of it that goes over your barrel is rubber. So it keeps yeah. all the water out and it'll cover your whole gun. So I like those, especially if you're in a side-by-side, -side, anything like that, because that'll keep keeps the dust off of your whole gun and out of your action and everything, because yeah. it covers the whole thing then. I use the same thing. It's not a Caldwell, but it's the same, the same thing. It's probably more expensive because you're cooler than I don't know. I don't know. But, <laughs> but yeah, I will. I always tape my barrel. I, you know, even if I have a suppressor, I just tape it up really good. If I have a break, I tape it really good. Always when I'm hunting. Because, you know, all the sticks and stuff to get down in there, you know, when I'm going through brush. And so I, I do that um, for sure. And, you know, but yeah, my, my, I mean, I've, and I, you know, I, I take care of my, I'm careful when I'm packing them around and I try not to bang them around too much or anything else. Uh, your tripod, you know, you, you got to have a really good tripod um, and tripod head. And I know we talked about this last time. We, we you know, there's there's some affordable, uh, you know, for the money, field optics are pretty hard to beat for the money. Um, you know, I, I have one I'm using now that's actually even, I like a lot more. Um, and of course, I can't think of the name of that right now either. I'm, I'm gonna go grab it right now so I can talk about it. Because a good tripod setup, it has to go tall enough for you but also be able to be small enough to backpack and light enough and, uh, you know, and, and just, just work really well. So what do you use for tripod? I'm going to go, I'm going to look at, I'm going to grab this one real quick. Sweet. I've got a field optics too. Tough to beat. Super lightweight, compact. I like them too because when you, when you extend them all the way out, they're still stable. It's like there's a lot of, a lot of them that'll be really stable when they're compact and down, but then as soon as you stretch them out, if you're standing up, then they get super, super unstable. What I've liked about these field optics too is they do really, really well in the wind, which if you're up high, it's always freaking windy. Yeah, they're pretty good, yeah. I mean, there are some that are more steady, but they are pretty good. And you can get the heavier ones with the field optics and they, the, the legs come off and become walking sticks too, which is nice. So this is the one I'm using. It's a, a Faisal, I think is how you say it. Yeah. That's the, the tripod. Lightweight, goes really tall. Um, the model, CT3441S. 
And the head I'm using is a Suri, is that how you say it? VA5. I'm telling you, man, this setup. So I, I was out with a, a guide one day and he was showing it to me. He's like, dude, this is the best one I've ever used. I've used everything and I went and used it. It's a game changer for me. That's awesome. So it's a little pricey, but I, uh, I'm set with that thing. I love it. I mean, it is just super solid and smooth and the head, the head, the head's very fluid and simple to use. Yeah. You know. And it doesn't wiggle either. That's what I always hate that so bad. It's like if you're on something, you lock it down and then let go and then it still moves. Yeah. It makes me want to kick the whole Especially thing. Especially when you're trying to get your, your scope cam on it, right? Because oh, you need to be able so to get it locked in and have it actually stay. Yeah. This is just money awesome for that. Anyway, yeah, so um really good tripod is is uh super important and then your rifle scope, you know, what kind of rifle scope you're going to get. Uh, and, and this is where you got to make some, some decisions on, do you want a, a first or second focal plane? Or is it front and second focal plane? It's first one, or right? second either way. Yeah. So, you know, um, I personally like the first focal plane scopes where your reticle adjusts with your magnification because it stays true to, you know, your MOAs or MOAs, no matter if you're at three power or 18 power. Yeah. Right. Whereas a second focal plane, you got to be zoomed at least halfway or full out for you to be able to actually use that reticle as a measuring stick. So I personally like that, but you know, a lot of guys like second because their reticles stay the same. They don't get too fine or too thick if you zoom in and out. And yeah. I, I know Brian Maiman likes second focal plane. That's what he loves. I like first. And yeah, my, my crosshairs get a little big when I'm zoomed all the way in, but... I killed a deer a couple years ago at like 980 yards. I actually did, I usually don't zoom all the way in, but I did zoom all the way in on him, and even at a thousand, right, a thousand yards, not a problem. Yeah. Not a problem. Yeah, depending on the rifle setups, like I, I run first focal plane on most of my stuff. I've got a couple like more compact guns that I'll use for backpacking. I run second focal plane on all those, just because if you're, or depending on if you're hiking through like thick stuff, I like the second focal plane just because it stays big enough to see. I've had a couple first focal plane ones where you get in, pull up, and you can't see anything just because they shrink so small. Yep. And second True. focal plane will also be usually quite a bit cheaper than first focal plane too. Yep. So like if you're on a budget, second focal plane, you're not you're not giving up accuracy. You're just giving up the convenience of being able to use that reticle for holdovers on every power good point yeah it is true when you're zoomed all the way out or, or you know in out or in yeah, all the way in. like if you're three power it's hard to see that reticle on a first focal plane yeah. usually right yeah, yeah and you are right and and i usually keep my scopes at between 9 and 11 power all the time i mean that's just what i do um hunt coyotes i'm at 9 or 9 to 11 you know and, and sometimes it's you know coyote comes in at 50 yards or 25 yeah. yards, you're, you're a little bit screwed. You got to hurry and zoom out. But um, thing with that though too is if you're an experienced shooter, like you're probably to the point now where it's really not hard for you to pull up and you're on it, right? Yeah. It's like new shooter, especially. It's like if they pull up and they're zoomed in all the way, it's like they're moving all over the place trying to find it. So they have to be zoomed out more. If you're more experienced and you can find things quickly, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah. True. Okay. Good. Good. And then you know, get aside what reticle you like. I personally like a simple reticle with hash marks. Yep. You know, I'm not big on the Christmas tree ones. I see that I understand there's a place for them where guys like them because they're, they can maybe figure out their follow-up shots better if they do miss, but I feel like I can do the same with a simple crosshair with hash marks. Yeah. So the TMOA reticle with uh, loophole is my favorite one. Yep. 
Um, I think that the hash marks, like when I was first getting into the long range stuff, I always hated just how busy the reticles look. But really, like just like what you said, is your follow-up shots, like it is so easy. If you can see your own, own impact and see exactly where that went, make a quick adjustment. So like you can have two shots in the air, 30 seconds, and second one's money. It's yeah. like, True. Missing once is fine. You should never miss twice. Yeah. Just if you have your, your scope set up, you can call your own impact. Makes it so easy. Yeah, if you're shooting a rifle that you can do that with, right? Some yeah. people are shooting way too big of a rifle and they can't see where they're hitting, right? So, yeah. And then turrets, you got to decide what turrets. You want to go MOA? Do you want to do mill? Not just turrets, but reticles, right? Um, we use MOA most of the time in our shooting schools. And, and again, some guys like mill, but. Yeah. I'm used to MOA. Yeah, especially for new shooters, MOA is way, way, way easier to wrap your head around. So it's like if you're first getting into it, learning on an MOA scope will be a thousand times easier than trying to figure out a mill. Like right now on all of my stuff, I run mill just because it's faster. I can get, I can cover more ground in one revolution. So I like that, but I also don't have to think that much. I've got all of my drop data figured out, and so it's like I just get the number, turn it to it. So I can cover way more ground, so it's faster that way. But for follow-up shots, all that kind of stuff, if you can see, oh, I'm six inches high, it's like it's way easier to figure out what you need to do on an MOA scope versus a mill. Oh, right. Good. And then bases and rings. Uh, that's an important decision to make. You don't don't uh, go cheap on that. You got a nice scope. You got a nice rifle. Get good bases and rings. Now, bases, I mean, I pick a tinny rail is what I use 90% of the time. It's what I like. I'd say 100% of the time. I don't know why you do anything else yep. today. And I love American Rifle Company's rings. They're really easy to use and to get scopes in. And, and um, they're strong. If you want to move your scope to one rifle to another, they're really easy to do. It's just one bolt, not two. And you don't have to worry about the doing it all even type stuff. Yeah, solid. Yep, the way the machine and all that. You run 20 minute bases, 30 minute bases, zero, what do you run? Usually 20. Yeah. Prefer that, usually. What about you? Same. Yeah. So. And all right. Bubble levels, too. I'd get, oh, yeah. Make good. sure you got a bubble level. Glad you brought that up. Uh, bubble levels are crucial. Yeah. And uh, making sure when you set all this stuff up that you're setting it up so your scope is level with your gun and uh, yeah and then the bubble level is super important because you know you're if you're a little bit off and you're shooting out at seven eight hundred yards yeah just make sure that you're coming straight up with it rather than off to the left or off to the right right yeah we'll have to do a podcast on that too where andrew gets all crazy about that kind of stuff for all of you nerds out there that want to know exactly how to <laughs> dial it in so exact that you just can't ever miss by a gnat hair we and want we want monkeys to be able to do it brandon yeah i agree and but I, i've never done all that i haven't gotten too crazy and i've done all right i mean i've been to a lot of shooting schools and i've shot as good as about anybody else so i don't know man what's, I, what's the farthest you've ever killed anything so far uh that deer at 980 that's pretty pretty far yeah yeah killed a coyote at 625 um another coyote at 520 those are my two farthest coyote shots yeah, I've killed a couple deer, six, sheep at 450, you know, elk at 720. Yeah, I've, I've killed some stuff out there ways. Uh, first shots, you know, not 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 missing crap like that. So, not bad. Yeah. All right, well, that's all, all for today. Uh, we will have to delve more into, I mean, we could spend a lot of time on a lot of these topics. But, again, we're doing some crash courses to get you all ready for this upcoming hunting season and trying to give you some, uh, I don't know, yeah, just crash course, right? Yeah. Get, get you have, if you have questions on stuff, too, so you can dashboard, 
service request, we'll call you. Yeah, for sure. If you don't have a dashboard with us, you need to get a dashboard set up and have it. I mean, if you're a DIY guy, use us. You draw a tag, I mean, get a, get a silver membership at a minimum and use our concierge service and our catalog and you draw a unit, you want to know more information about it, why wouldn't you? Call us. See what we can do to help you. We're, we're there to help our members and, and provide that great service. And uh, and then you ought to really ask about our platinum membership right now because we are doing our own exclusive Rolling Bones draw for platinum members only. And uh, we're doing that multiple times per year for hunts and gear. And uh, if you're a platinum member, you're going to have some pretty good odds of drawing some hunts and gear, right? All right, guys, until next time, happy hunting. Get out there, get your scouting done, be safe, and we will talk to you next time.